and grace that saved a wretch like me and everyone else here. Lord, we are indebted to you. Your grace is beautiful. The gospel is wonderful. And Lord, we thank you so much for it. We thank you for Jesus because it's only through him that we get this grace. It's only because of his sacrifice that we are enabled to sing about this grace. So, Lord, we, we thank you for Calvary. We thank you for his wounds, that by them we are healed. We thank you that because of him we are made right with you. We thank you that because of him we are righteous before you because his righteousness has been given to us. Lord, we thank you for it. We thank you, Lord, that in this life our sins are no longer held against us. Why? Because of Calvary. Because of the cross. We thank you, Father, for security. We thank you for, for, for your love, for your presence. Thank you that, that in years to come, Lord, one thing we can know is that our God will always be faithful to his beloved for all eternity. And we thank you, Lord, for that. In Christ's name, amen. We're going to now have a uh, ministry moment. Wayne Blocker is going to, one of our deacons, is going to come share with you uh, something that we're going to have the last Wednesday in this month. So, chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at verses 11 through 15 this morning. The question I asked you last week is this, where is your security? In particular, I asked that question in terms of your prayers. What is your security that your prayers are heard? You remember the answer from last week's sermon? The security that our prayers are heard rests in who God is, not in the format or style of our prayers, but in who he is. He is our holy, kingly father who is in heaven, and he personally knows what you need even before you ask him. And when you believe this and live in this, it changes your whole, whole prayer life to pray like Jesus prayed in the Lord's Prayer. And as I said again last week, this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, it, it does two things for us. First, it is God-exalting, God-honoring, God-centered. It's focused on him. And what flows from that is the second half of that prayer, which deals with us petitioning the Lord to meet certain needs in our life. You see, him meeting our needs flow out of who he is. You can't divorce that. He is Father who is in heaven. Hallowed be his name. His kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven and not ours. So open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you have forgiven others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive yours. This is God's word. Please pray with me. Father, we pray for your spirit to come and take your word, your very word, the word that is the air that we breathe, 
and that he will apply it to our hearts. I can't do that. I can't apply it to my own heart, let alone anyone else. The Spirit has to be the one to bend our hearts to your word, to humble our hearts before your word. And so, Holy Spirit, you know where we are. You know where each person is this morning, what they're dealing with, what they're struggling with, whether they're a believer or not a believer. And so my prayer to you is that you would meet their need this morning, that you, they will receive a word to give them encouragement this morning, empowerment this morning, or even conviction this morning. So, Spirit, Spirit of truth, our counselor, our helper, come. Christ in my prayer. Amen. The meeting of our needs is a work. It's a mighty work of our Father. It's his provision to his people. This first petition for provision says, give us this day our daily bread. Now, is Jesus talking about a loaf of bread that you get from Publix? No. You see, as, as human beings, we are holistic creatures. Well, Alex, what do you mean by that? This is what I mean. We're more than just spiritual. We're more than just intellectual. We're more than just emotional. We're more than just psychological. We all are those things together. Every last one of them. We are holistic creatures. And when you petition the Lord to give us our daily bread, you're requesting him to meet your need in all those different areas of who you are. Your emotional needs, your physical needs, your psychological needs, and your spiritual needs. Lord, give me my daily bread in all those areas. As Martin Luther once said, he says, daily bread was a symbol of everything necessary for the preservation of this life. Everything. Food, a healthy body, good weather, house, wife, children, good government, peace. Everything that's necessary for the preservation of this life. That's daily bread. Do you believe that the Father cares about every single inch of your life from head to toe your marriage your kids your welfare your job every area or do you think he only cares about the spiritual is it just the spiritual that he cares about it's every single area he wants to redeem your whole person mold it more into the image of his son it begins with the spiritual because we're all dead before we come to Christ spiritually. But once you receive Christ as Lord and Savior, it all begins. The transformation of him transforming you more into the image of his son. And so when you petition the Lord, give us our daily bread. Say, Lord, I'm praying for your provision. I'm praying for your blessings to my whole body. That you'll give my whole being all the things that's necessary for this life. Prayer, as I said last week, is two things. Prayer is humility before the Father. That's one of the points of the first three petitions in this Lord's Prayer. That we approach the Father in a spirit of humility because of who He is. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The second thing prayer is, is dependency. Depending upon the Father, to meet your needs. These petitions that we're going to talk about this morning is you acknowledging 
and accepting that dependency upon his provisions. You know we pray the Lord's prayer. That's what you're doing. You're not just requesting him to do stuff. You're always saying, Lord, I'm dependent upon you to meet those needs as well as my provider. Because the question is, who is the breadwinner in your life? Is it you? Who brings home the bacon in your family, in your life, and everything you have in your life, who gave it to you? If the answer is not Jesus, then you don't get it. He's the breadwinner. He brings home the bacon because it's his stuff. Everything about you belongs to him. He knows what you need even before you ask him. If you need security, he knows it. If if your marriage needs counseling, he knows it. If your children have issues and they need help, he knows it. The question is, are you dependent upon him to meet those needs? One um, seminary professor uh, that teaches at seminary in St. Louis, he says, God gives us our daily bread, not our daily greed. God gives us our daily bread, not our daily greed. So the question is, the things that you want, is it a need or is it greed? Is it a need or is it greed? What do you think? The thing you got to have, the dreams that you have, the stuff that you want, is it truly a need or is it just you being greedy and discontent with where you are and what you have? Well, I lived in, we lived in South Carolina before we moved to Alabama, and I got into this conversation with this guy. He's been a Christian for, for some years, and he asked me a question that was very, very convicting. He says, Alex, are you seek, seeking God for God? Or simply for what he provides you. There's a difference. Are you seeking the Father for who the Father is or because of what he can give you? I was convicted by that. Because most of the time, well, that's what he can do for me. What can you do for me today? Because that question still convicts me because I end up loving and worshiping the bread. And not loving and worshiping the giver of the bread. Do you struggle with that? Worshiping the bread and not the giver of the bread? Or is it just me? Y'all not saying anything, so I guess it's just me. My eyes, your eyes are never satisfied. Appetites are never satisfied. We're always demanding more and more, but never please. Never please. We're Americans. We know that's true. We live in a culture that's never satisfied. Instant gratification, got to have more. In return, we think we deserve it. Dave Ramsey, he's a radio, uh, he hosts a radio show that offers financial advice and counsel to those who call in. And one of the times I will listen to his show, he says, one of the most beautiful, beautiful human character traits is gratitude. Being grateful for the things you have received in life. He says your attitude should be that of gratitude. And he's right. When you look at your life and what the Father has provided you, the daily bread that you do have, are you grateful? Or are you saying, Father, I want that bread, not the bread that I already got? Or are you ungrateful? Which is it? 
for me? Am I grateful for where I am or am I ungrateful because I think I deserve more? Where is your heart when it comes to that? You see, when you have an attitude of gratitude, you understand that you are just a steward of everything you have in your life. You are a steward of the daily bread that you have. A steward. Nothing more. So what do you do if you're ungrateful? What do you do if you're a bad steward of what the Lord has given you? We simply move to the next petition in the Lord's Prayer that says what? Forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. I love how this prayer just flows. We all need forgiveness, right? Because none of us are perfect. This petition of forgiveness, it serves as a reminder of our continued struggle with sin. Yes, we know through Christ, believers have been set free from being enslaved to sin. But we also know that we still struggle with it. We all do. We're either sinning against other people or people sinning against us. In your your life, have you sinned against someone this week? Have someone sinned against you this week? Yes. So this petition not only reminds us that, that we still struggle with sin, but it also reminds us that we have a constant need of receiving forgiveness and extending forgiveness. Now, when you read verse 11, forgive us of our debts as we've forgiven our debtors, and you also read verses 14 and 15, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will not forgive you or yours. Now, when you look at that, it appears that there's a condition attached to the Lord's forgiveness. Their apparent condition is, if I don't forgive Richard for what he's did to me, then the Lord's not going to forgive me. Just an example. Now, we're cool. Okay. <laughs> so what does that mean? First, you've got to realize that forgiveness here is not talking about the initial forgiveness that you receive at the point of salvation. It's not talking about that. The forgiveness of debts and the forgiveness of trespasses is talking about and talking in the context of restoration of our fellowship with the Father when it's been hindered by our sin. Because our sin still hinders that. And the second thing here is that there's a relationship between the forgiveness that we get from the Father and the forgiveness that we extend to others. You see, if we have a gratitude of the Father's forgiveness towards us, what flows from that is you extending forgiveness to other people. So if you don't understand your own forgiveness, if you don't understand how much you've been forgiven of from, by God, then guess what? You're not going to extend forgiveness to other people. You're not. So there's a natural overflow of me understanding the forgiveness I get from the Father and the forgiveness I extend to my neighbor. It will happen if you truly understand forgiveness. What happens to a person who holds on to hate? What happens to them? What happens to them? What does an unforgiving spirit do to a person's being? It weighs you down. It can blind you to your own sin. It can become a big burden. It can eat 
at your soul. Your whole identity becomes trapped. You see, we all know that receiving forgiveness for the Father is a need, but do you realize you extending forgiveness is also a need that you have? Have you ever thought about that? That extending forgiveness is a need. And through the Father, Spirit working in us, He enables us to do that. The Father knows what an unforgiving spirit can do to your soul. If someone's truly sinned against you in a heinous way, man, you are trapped. It eats at you. Your identity is lost. Your whole world is wrapped up in what has happened to you. And you wouldn't realize that when you forgive that person, it sets you free. And when you hold on to it, it doesn't. So the Father knows that when you truly forgive someone who's truly hurt you, your soul is free. Forgiveness is hard. Depending upon the degree of the pain, yes. And I know there's still going to be issues, there's still going to be consequences when, you, when, when it comes to sin, but guess what? It does not have to control your identity. Forgive those who sin against you. It will set you free. We all have a need of forgiving them and extending forgiveness. So the question is, do you need to have a come to Jesus meeting today with somebody? Is there someone in your life that you have not forgiven? Do you have an unforgiving spirit? Well, Alex, that person did this to me. That person hurt me. That person said this to me. The question is, the Father forgave you. He forgave you. Now, are you willing to forgive that person for what they did to you? Now, that ain't easy. That's hard. I don't even going to tell you about, I don't even going to use the example about Joseph because Joseph didn't meet his brothers the next day, and it was years later. But the point is, he forgave them because of what? What the Father did in his heart. The Father did in his heart. So the prayer for us is, Lord, forgive me of my debt here. Forgive me for having an unforgiving spirit. And so I pray that through your spirit, you will enable me to extend forgiveness to those who have sinned against me. That's the prayer. You can't checklist that. You can't checklist that. Checklists don't change hearts. Only the spirit does. You have to pray. The spirit will change your heart. One pastor says, God's forgiveness is underneath our forgiveness. It creates our forgiveness. It supports our forgiveness. So if we do not give it to others, and if we go on in an unforgiving spirit, what it shows us is that the God, God the Father is not in our lives. It's not in our lives. Because if he's in your life, you're going to resemble him in every area of your life. One of the my favorite pictures of forgiveness is the one that took place between Jacob and his brother Esau. If you know the story, you know what Jacob did to Esau. Jacob was cooking stew one day. His brother Esau came in from hunting and he was hungry. He asked Jacob for some of his red stew. And what did Jacob say to him? Sell me your birthright. Esau said, look, I'm about to die. What is good is the birthright to me if I die? But Jacob said, swear to me first. 
So Esau swore an oath to him, selling to his brother his birthright. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and stew. He ate, drunk, then he got up and left. So Esau despised the birthright going forward. And later Jacob deceived his father as well into thinking that he was Esau so he could also steal his brother's blessing. And he took it. And Esau was mad. He said of his brother, he is rightly named Jacob. He has deceived me two times. He took my birthright, now he has taken my blessing. And Esau held a grudge against his brother. He said, the days of my mourning, my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. He wanted to kill him. So what did Jacob do? Jacob fled to his uncle's house because he thought it was going to be a safe place. But if you know the story, it wasn't safe. Because what happened to Jacob at his uncle's house? His uncle did to him what he did to his brother. He got deceived. He got tricked. He got taken advantage of. And the father used that to shake Jacob. Because when he eventually left his uncle's house, his, the Lord called Jacob to go back to the land of Canaan. But Jacob was afraid. You know why was he afraid? Esau was there. Years have passed. I mean, years passed. But he was still afraid because he feared his brother was going to try to get revenge on him. And when they finally met, when they finally met, when they saw each other in the distance, Esau ran to meet Jacob. And he embraced him. He embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and he kissed his brother and they wept. What is that a picture of, people? Forgiveness. Reconciliation. And Esau said, and, and Jacob, you know, he, he, he wanted, in a sense, give back what he stole. He even offered his brother a gift. But Esau said, I have plenty, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. And Jacob kept on insisting, no, please take it. If I have found favor in your eyes, accept this gift. Then listen to this. For to see your face is seeing the face of God. What is that? Now that you have received me, now that you have forgiven me for what I did to you, seeing your face is like seeing the face of God. You see, repentance, forgiveness, it also brings healing to the person that sinned against you as well. It releases them too. You don't think Jacob carried that with him? He did. And his brother forgave him, and they reconciled. That's wonderful. Wonderful picture of forgiveness. Again, do you need to have a coming to Jesus meeting with someone, with your spouse, with your kids, or whoever? Do business with them. Forgive us of our debts, Father, as we have forgiven our debtors. So the Father gives us daily bread. He gives us repentance. And finally, he gives us a provision of deliverance. Look at verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This final petition is, is us acknowledging that we need the Father's protection and deliverance in this life in fighting the different temptations that we face. Notice that the prayers lead us not into temptation, meaning give us strength not to fall into it, 
It's not, don't let me be tempted at all. Because that ain't going to happen. I don't care how much you pray that prayer. You're going to face temptation. If you don't want to be tempted, then you've got to cross over and go to glory. But as you live here, you're going to deal with temptation. All the days of your life. Many believers face temptations. No amount of prayer is going to stop that. James says each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Because of the sin that dwells in us still, the flesh, we're going to always deal with temptations. Temptations are enticement to sin. And their aim is to steal our affection and dependency from the Father. And temptations are tied to every area of life. Every situation, every circumstance, every relationship we face. How are you being tempted in your life? Or do you think, I'm too holy to be tempted? I read the Bible every day. I pray every day. I memorize scripture. I'm, no, I'm not being tempted, Alex. Well, that statement just proves you wrong. You're already giving in to pride. So, come on. We know obvious temptations, you know, adultery or being tempted to watch things on TV or the Internet, being tempted to steal from other people or to lie yourself out of a bad situation. We can recognize that. But what about materialism, the American dream, the good life? Gluttony, pride, selfishness, hoarding money and resources, coveting what your neighbor has, judging and slandering other people. I always hear people say, Satan is tempting me with bad things. He's tempting me to be immoral. But you know, I never heard anyone say Satan is tempting me with good stuff. He's tempting me with my job. He's tempting me to have all this money. No, because we always assume all the good stuff is good stuff. Now, I can't be tempted by that stuff. It's only the bad. No, you can be tempted with the good. And for a lot of us, he already has us. He already has us. You need to realize that the bread the Father gives you is a blessing, but it can also become a temptation for you not to love him because you can worship the bread. And that's how messed up we are, man. <laughs> that's how messed up we are. I was talking to Waikita about a conversation I had with a friend, and, and he was you know, telling me about the sermons, and, and he said, Pastor Alex, when you, whenever you get up and, and you talk about not loving your family and repenting, you know, he said, that really spoke to me. But you know what's thinking to my head? Man, I'm such a great guy that I'm honest about my sin. I'm such a great guy that I show to be humble. I'm such a great God that I can get up and confess the things that I've done. You know what that is? Pride. Even in that. You can be prideful even trying to be humble. You see how messed up that is? Yeah, thank you. You need to understand your heart. Your heart will latch on to your shoe if you can get glory from it. If you can get something from it. Your heart will latch on to anything so it can feel good about itself. Even the things that are good. Even so such thing as humility, your heart will try to turn it into an idol to make you feel good about yourself. And so what do you do? Father, forgive me of how messed up I am. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me. 
We are tempted by both adversity and prosperity. All those things. In the midst of adversity, you can be tempted. In the midst of prosperity, you can be tempted to turn your heart away from the Father. You see, there are going to be times that, that you don't give any temptations. There are going to be times that you do. And that's just the Christian life. It's like this. It's never up here all the time. It's going to be down in the valley as well. And we have a hard time accepting that. You're never going to get to a place where you move to this level of Christianity. There's no such thing as Christianity 101 and Christianity 500. There ain't no such thing. It's this. All the days of your life. It's only going to get here when you die and go to glory. But here, it's up and down, people. That's it. Up and down. That's why it's faith and repentance. Not how well I'm doing. Faith and repentance in Christ. That's what it's about. So we pray that the Spirit will create in our hearts a more affection for the Father. Help me, Spirit. That's what we need. We depend upon the Father for our daily bread, for our daily forgiveness, and for our daily protection. You know, when we come to the table, this table, do you know what it represents for us this morning? It's a reminder of the Father's greatest provision for our greatest need. You know what that is. It's a picture of the gospel. This table is a a picture of of what Christ did upon the cross. That he defeated sin and death on our behalf. He purchased reconciliation between us and the Father. And guess what? We are dependent upon that all the days of our life. Our sin debt, all of our sin debt was paid in full. And Jesus has closed that account, people. That account is closed, balance paid for, and you no longer have to live in fear of that. It's paid in full. And if you have saving faith in Jesus this morning, then guess what? This table is for you. And if you don't have saving faith this morning, guess what? Jesus wants you to have it through his spirit. We will call you into saving faith. And what is saving faith, Alice? It's, it's you resting and trusting and depending upon Christ for your salvation. And so if you have that, this table is for you. Now, there is a warning that the Apostle Paul reminds us. He says, first, this meal is for believers. And second, believers are to examine themselves. And so that means if you know you need to have a come to Jesus meeting with someone, then you need to. Let the table go by today and do business with that person. That's what that means. Go do business with that person. So before we pass out the elements, let us now have a time of prayer. Ask the Spirit to examine our hearts.